Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And I'm here, of course, with my favorite co-host, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. That's it? Just my name? I don't get, like, a title today? <laughs> no, nothing like that. But, you know, I was trying to think of something clever, but I already dubbed you, like, the queen of MLIK uh, day already. You know what I mean? That's because true. it was a Martin Luther King holiday and stuff like that. So I was trying to think of something catchy. So I got nothing. You know, catch me the week of Groundhog's Day. Then I'll be because that's yeah that's your gonna be favorite like a, groundhog or yeah, something. That's right, yeah. So I'll be like, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. The the girl who sees, you know, who always sees six weeks of winter, Megan Street. <laughs> so I'll come up with something much more clever by then. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I'll look forward but, to that. But it's cold in Boston today, man. I know you guys. I feel bad for you. It's cold yeah. and rainy here, but nothing like you guys are. Yeah, but you know what? I love the cold, so it's fantastic. Well, good I love for you. Yeah, but you know what? We have a great show today that's really going to warm me up. And this is a special show, and I'm going to let you take the lead on it, Megan. I'm honored to be joined today by Dr. Harold Koppelwitz, who is the founding president of a nonprofit called the Child Mind Institute. Dr. Koppelwitz, welcome to Cause Talk Radio. It's a pleasure to be with you. Would you start out and just give our listeners a brief overview about your mission of Child Mind Institute and, and why you personally felt compelled to start this nonprofit organization? Well, you know, the Chalmine Institute is the only nonprofit that's uh, independent and exclusively dedicated to children's mental health in the uh, all of the United States, maybe the world. Uh, we are truly dedicated to one thing, transforming child mental health care by improving science, by getting rid of stigma and educating the public, and by producing new and more effective treatments. And when we think about uh, other disorders, uh, there are many institutions that are dedicated exclusively to one disease. Um, cancer comes to mind, Memorial Sloan Kettering, MD Anderson. But in childhood cancer, it was St. Jude's, and that was the model. Because over the last 50 or 60 years, St. Jude's has done a great job of essentially making people better informed about cancer. And while nine out of 10 kids used to die of uh, pediatric leukemia, now only one out of 10. And we thought it's time for child psychiatric disorders to have the same kind of scientific rigor, the same type of passion, and the same type of respect that we've been giving diseases below the neck. They should get the same kind of uh, attention for diseases above the neck. Fantastic. And it, it sounds to me or it seems to me that children's mental health is a little bit of a sensitive topic and until very, very recently is something that people tend to shy away from. I gather that's changed since the shootings at Sandy Hook. Well, you know, it's it's really kind of sad that the only time people want to talk about child psychiatric disorders and teenagers uh, who have psychiatric illness is when someone um, violently kills uh, not only themselves, but many other people. Okay. And the fortunate part is that this is a rare event. It's a terrible tragedy, what occurred at Newtown and what occurred at Virginia Tech and in Aurora, Colorado. Um, but they're rare. What's not rare is that there are 15 million children and teenagers who have a psychiatric disorder, uh, that 5,000 young people between the ages of 14 and 24 will kill themselves this year, and that 600,000 will make a serious enough attempt that they'll have to go to an emergency room, and that uh, many of them will have academic failure and substance abuse and teen pregnancy and will be a bully and will be bullied, and will have interactions with the juvenile justice system and are more likely to be unemployed. 
And that's the unacceptable part, that in a nation that's so rich and so smart and so scientifically advanced, that less than half the children who have these disorders ever gets any help. And even more troubling is that when kids do have symptoms, it takes on average two years before a parent reaches out and gets help. So the only only possible good outcome that could have happened from this terrible tragedy in Newtown is that we start a national conversation about child and adolescent mental health, that uh, people don't just suddenly become peculiar and odd and violent, that uh, there are signs and symptoms, and these disorders are common, they're real, and most importantly, they're treatable. So I don't know that you mentioned it in, in your introduction about Child Mind Institute, and I did not, but you are a, a young nonprofit. I believe you've been around for about three years, and you're talking about very complicated issues. Obviously, you have lots and lots of experience in this realm, but how, how does a nonprofit organization approach that conversation, make that conversation more accessible to whether it's a corporate partner or whether it's a general citizen or the media? How, how do you make that more accessible? Well, I think we are very fortunate that our first corporate partner um, was Bloomingdale's. So, you know, having having a friend like Ann Keating and Michael Gould, who's the CEO, is uh, remarkable because here are two individuals who have been very, very fortunate that they haven't been touched by, in any personal way by psychiatric disorders or psychiatric illness and yet care passionately about children and recognized that their um, customers care about it also. And so what started off as a conversation between us and them and saying we, we have a global mission and um, we think that every mother cares about not only their child, but they care about the children who are sitting next to their children, and they care about their nephews and nieces, and they started off by um, letting us have their little brown bear. And every year, they had always given their little brown bear to a different charity. And I can tell you that it's kind of really a great honor that it's been three years now that we have continued to be the recipient of all the um, proceeds from the little brown bear. And it's advanced and gone even further that they were able to get Christian Ratko to do Christmas tree decorations. And we really partnered with them. We reached out to every friend we had. So, um, you know, if I was on the Today Show, um, Matt Lauer was approached and said, Matt, will you do a Christmas tree decoration? Matt always makes a joke that he innocently let me have his cell phone number. He never thought I would use it. So, and he's afraid of the witness protection program. But, um, and Al Roker did it the year before. And this year it was Cindy Lauper and Meryl Streep. And, and what's really important is that it's not just a young, uh, hot um, actor uh, like uh, Kellen Luntz, but um, it's Diane von Furstenberg, who's an established designer. Because, again, it affects everyone. I, and, and I think what's really very uh, fortuitous for us is that we started this national conversation three years ago. And so now when the vice president and the president say that they want this national conversation, the Child Mind Institute was invited to the table uh, on the Mental Health and Disabilities Group, and we're hoping that our annual event, which every May we call Speak Up for Kids, where we provide free information, whether it's uh, talks online or talks in person to parents, to teachers, about how common and how real and treatable these disorders are, will be a platform that um, that everyone can talk about. And talk about hard stuff also, like, um, you know, how come insurance is so difficult? 
difficult to come by. Uh, is treatment really evidence-based? Are you getting better or is it just that you're talking to a nice person? Um, what do we know about suicide and how do we really help kids and teenagers uh, who have made a suicide attempt um, get back onto a different trajectory for their lives? I think the important part about the conversation being about children and adolescents is the bang for the buck is so high right. so that um, you know, if you have a symptom only for two years, it's a lot more um, uh, treatable and a lot easier to get to than being an adult who has the symptom for 25 years. Right. Well, it's interesting that you taught, you made a parallel or a correlation at the beginning of your remarks about St. Jude's and what they've done for children's cancer because they happen to be one of the largest cause marketers out there. They have really, they've done a couple of things well. They've really taken the issue of childhood cancer and, and turned it into a very emotional and relatable thing to the general consumer. And they've engaged lots and lots of corporate partners to tell that story. Do, do you think that you're able to do that similarly? I think maybe your story is a little bit more complicated to tell, but is that... I think our, I think our story is not only more complicated, I think that uh, the stigma that was related to cancer... Um, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, has definitely diminished. So right. there's a famous scene in Neil Simon's Brighton Beach memoirs where the actor looks into the camera and says, Mrs. Smith, she looks on the corner, she has cancer. Right. And he, she whispers the word. Right, right. And, um, and this nation, and by the way, uh, corporations have been instrumental in this, have tackled diseases, uh, usually with presidential help, um, that were so frightening that no one would talk about them. Mm -hmm. So FDR tackled polio. Um, and, you know, the March of Dimes. And while President Reagan never mentioned the word AIDS, mm -hmm. um, the fact that Rock Hudson had it, Doris Day hugged him, you know, for people who are old enough to remember who right, Doris Day right. and Rock Hudson are. And then Elizabeth Taylor and Revlon and uh, endless uh, organizations said, you know, this is a real illness. It's a virus. It's not something that's it's someone's fault. And with the help of President Clinton, uh, we have AIDS uh, drugs now, anti-AIDS drugs that uh, let people live for decades. So other things kill them. And so we've done this with cancer. We've done this with polio. Um, I certainly think we can do this with child psychiatric disorders. It is still scary. Um, I think part of the stigma is that most of us, it doesn't take very much for us to feel guilty or responsible for somehow our children's happiness and um, and that we did something wrong. And unfortunately, the public and the media are all willing to tell us that. You right. know, it's because you're working. It's because you're divorced. It's because you're too involved with your husband. It's, uh, it's because you breastfed or you didn't breastfeed. I mean, we just make up stories. And I think a great story is the autism story, that here we know these are brain differences. These children are born with a brain difference. Well, 25 years ago, it was a refrigerator mom, an icebox mom, a mom that didn't pick up their child enough times. That's what caused autism. So not only did you have a child that might not ever become independent, uh, might not ever speak, but it was your fault that you didn't pick him up enough or pick her up enough when she was an infant. So we know that's false. We know that's a myth and it's a misconception. And we know that early intervention works. And frankly, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, it doesn't make a difference. It's bad business for us to leave these disorders unattended to and untreated.
And I frankly think this nation is capable. And again, it can't be done just by, and I always think of the March of Dimes, it can't be done by just a group of clinicians. It needs uh, scientists, it needs uh, computer engineers, it needs electronic engineers to start looking at brain imaging and seeing the differences. But it also needs, um, it needs a Kelly Ripa, and it needs uh, a Barbara Streisand, it needs a you know, Justin Bieber, and it needs a Diane Van Furstenberg and an Al Roker to say, you know, it's real, it's common, it's treatable, whether it's ADD or whether it's, um, uh, anxiety, you know, selective mutism or OCD or, you know, more serious illnesses like autism or schizophrenia. Um, but it's the brain. It's not, it's not your parents. Parenting can make it better, you know, but parents can't cause these disorders. And, um, and frankly, I'm, I'm hopeful that if, if something good can come out of this awful event, it's the fact that uh, maybe we can get people to talk about it. So that, you know, Magashoni has a, a scarf for us, a long green scarf that's called the Childline Institute Scarf. And, you know, we're having conversations with a whole bunch of other um corporations now hoping that they'll participate with us in uh, some kind of promotional way in May when we do speak up for kids so that everybody, you know, think about it. Um, we speak up for breast cancer. Um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of backlash now with Lance Armstrong, but the name got us to talk about testicular cancer. That's amazing. If we can talk about testicular cancer, if you can get men to talk about testicular cancer, in my opinion, is nothing short of amazing, then we should be able to talk about uh, ADHD and real depression, not demoralization, but when you really get depressed and what that's about. You know, after the Sandy Hook shootings, I had been talking to some of your staff existing when that happened, but I went to your website and I was really moved that that was the topic you chose to cover on your blog. Was it trying to dispel this speculative commentary that was happening in the media and this, these amateur diagnoses? So obviously this is something that you're dealing with on a daily basis. And, and you make a really excellent point about these things that have been stigmatized and how over the years it really does take a comprehensive effort to get that conversation going. And to your point about, you know, prostate cancer, uh, when you think of Movember and these these different approaches to talking about an issue, you know, you can use humor, you can use celebrity, you can use all sorts of different right. tactics. So, well, so what's but your let's approach? About, but let's think about Katie Kerr. Right. Um, Jay and Katie were neighbors of mine, and uh, after Jay died, Katie rose to the occasion. I mean, she right. had a colonoscopy on television. Right, right. And people, she saved lives. And um, the amazing part is that more kids will die um, from suicide than from AIDS and from cancer and from uh, pneumonia and the flu all combined. In fact, more kids have these disorders than uh, psychiatric disorders than all the other disorders combined. So, so I think it's a it's a combination of how to do it. We are. So we're reaching out to online um, companies. We're reaching out to um, – we, we really think mothers are the best, really the best advocates, best ambassadors. But that doesn't mean that we – because we think mothers basically, you know, I think most mothers are as happy as their least happy child. Right. And um, when you have a child with, a, with psychiatric symptoms, you're not a happy person. Right. You are genuinely worried. And unlike um, if they had a physical symptom, you would comfortably ask everybody 
you know who the best doctor is, what's mm. the best medicine, what's the best treatment, there is still too much shame and stigma surrounding it and right. um, misconceptions. I think the other thing is that we're trying to also get, believe it or not, on ESPN. And wow. The angle that we're thinking of is how about the fact that there are so many um, athletes who seem to behave in ways that are very unusual, you know, <laughs> that you, uh, you know, do they have ADHD? Do they have this, you know, there's some famous athletes who have anxiety and won't get on an airplane. And, right. um and so we would really like this to be a conversation that everyone has. I mean, think about it just for a second. Um, Schwab, Mr. Schwab, uh, is very outspoken about the fact that he has dyslexia. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty impressive. You know what I mean? Uh, so if you can have dyslexia and Orlando Bloom has dyslexia, um, and you can still be a great, you know, you can be a successful movie star, you can be a successful, um, you know, investor, I think that's impressive. And, and if we could get um, 25 people who have been through the tunnel and who have come out or who, like Patrick Kennedy, who says, I hate the fact that I have to take a pill every day and that I have to see my therapist once a week, but I've got a bad illness, I've got a chronic illness, and, you know, I'm, I'm in remission, but if right. I'm going to stay in remission, I have to do this. And, and that's the hard part also, that people don't like to think of the fact that these conditions sometimes are not quick to fix and, and are not curable. They're okay. treatable, right. you know, just very much like diabetes. So your story then becomes finding and highlighting those people that are living with conditions that others may be suffering from and, and telling their story? Is that the approach then? That's, that's, that's the approach. And the other approach, which is, a, I think, a more complicated approach, is the fact that since we don't have a blood test, right. um, finding a brain test would really be the mm, way to go. Mm. And that's very expensive because, right. uh, first of all, the, the government, the federal government doesn't have a lot of money now. And so the National Institutes of Health, which is the research arm of the government, right. um, only gives you funds for very, very true and tested kinds of things. They're not, they're not going to be a venture capitalist. They're not taking a risk on something. Right. And so we're... We need to get that kind of help from individuals and from foundations and corporations to say, okay, if we can collect 10,000 data sets so that we have kids who've been properly diagnosed and we have their genetic information and we have a, a picture of their brain, that we can start showing what, you know, when someone comes in, that can start to become part of the diagnosis, which makes it so much more real. So it's not just being inattentive. It's really attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It's a real disorder right. that we know that those kids kids actually uh, drop out of high school 10 times more frequently, they're car, they have more car accidents and they're more expensive, um, that it really is obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's not just being neat, because a lot of people with OCD are not neat. They're just, they can't get rid of the thoughts. Do you mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a real dilemma because we want to educate the public and at the same time, um, we don't want to shame people. So what was really upsetting to me is when someone said, oh, Adam Lanza has Asperger's. Well, first of all, mm -hmm. No one knows if he has Asperger's or not. This is ridiculous. This is like well, when they say Albert Einstein has Asperger's. Right. How do you know that? He's dead. Do you know what I mean? It's a, you, know, you know, I'd like to see the psychiatric report on Albert Einstein. Do you know what I mean? It's, come on. And But on top of that, we do know that people who have Asperger's are not any – there's no increase in violence, particularly premeditated violence, than the average person. Uh, if anything, most people with Asperger's are very socially isolated and, and really have very little to do with the world in the, or less to do with the world than the average person. So um, 
this is what it does. It brings fear, so that people who do have these disorders, it makes it even less likely for them to come out. Because the, the, you know, the other big dilemma is the controversy about medication. That every time you see one of these shootings, someone says, "Oh, they were taking psychiatric medication." It, this makes me think, like every time you see someone who dies of cancer, they were taking chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. this is absurd. Now, with Adam Lanza, they found that he wasn't taking medication. Well, I really think the issue is that people who feel hopeless and helpless are more likely to hurt themselves and possibly others. And so that if you have a condition that doesn't permit you to learn or doesn't permit you to love or doesn't permit you to play or doesn't permit you to really work, um, you feel really bad. That's, that's not depression. That's demoralization that feels hopeless and helpless. And, you know, so you are more likely to, to do harmful things and more likely than not to yourself. Right, right. And so it's time to, you know, to say above the neck, below the neck, these diseases are equal. We deserve to, to do mental health checkups on a yearly basis in the same way we get a physical checkup. We deserve to to offer parity to insurance, that the insurance that covers you for your heart also covers you for your brain. Well, this has been an absolutely enlightening conversation, and we are so fortunate to have you at the helm of such a fantastic nonprofit organization, and we will absolutely look forward to hearing your continued good work. And so thank you so much, Dr. Kabelowitz, for joining us today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Wow, that was a really interesting interview we had today. We haven't done a show like that before, Megan, have we? No, we haven't. It was I missed you. But it was good to it was good to talk to somebody one on one sometimes too. Yeah, yeah, and it shows the world that you can sometimes operate without me. <laughs> Not very often. <laughs> well, I just I thought everything that Dr. Koplowitz had to say was very interesting. It's one of those shows that could have gone on for a long time, yeah. clearly, because it's a big issue. Yeah. What I mean, what what were your perceptions of what he had to say? Well, you know, one of the things I think is really interesting, too, is, you know, we talk about these violent acts that happen in this country, like Newtown. And, you know, I think what he was really emphasizing, too, though, was like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. In the sense, like, you know, there, there is so many, you know, it really goes deep in this country, the, you know, the challenges of mental health. And, you know, there are those instances, those terrible instances where people lose their lives. But there are so many times in people's lives when they have, you know, lives that are not really fulfilled and lives that are not really happy uh, because of when they, what they went through with mental health issues. And, you know, that's something that we really need to address because a lot more people are losing their lives because of mental illness. Well, and I just think his comment about the stigma, how this is a, a stigma and there's so much fear and shame associated with having a child that has a mental illness. And it's just it was interesting to me to see how he reflected back over the years of different types of nonprofit causes that have had to go through this exact same thing. And you kind of feel like, oh, we're living in the future and we're so modern, but really there's plenty of things that we still have lots of stigma around. And I think it's, it's interesting, you know, the Bloomingdale's partnership was interesting because they were a company who stepped forward and said, Hey, this is an important issue. So mm -hmm. I just think it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. No, very impressive show. Good so job, anyway, Megan. we're going to thank you. We're going to put up show notes with links to the Childmind Institute and where you can find more about that fantastic up and coming nonprofit. And Joe, even though you weren't a huge part of the show today, I bet people are still going to want to know where to find more about you. Absolutely. I know. I feel that way. They can visit me at my blog, of course, at selfishgiving.com, or they can find me minute to minute 
at Twitter, at Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can they find you? They will find me also on Twitter, bantering with you most likely, mm-hmm. at Megan Strand, or perhaps slightly more professionally for the Cause Marketing Forum, at TweetCMF. <laughs> and I blog regularly for the Cause Marketing Forum as well, at Cause Update. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. So look for us there. Thanks so much for joining us again for another episode of Cause Talk Radio. 